You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Chelsea. Hey, it's Sarah. And hey, it's Grace. And today we're going to be talking about the murder of Jameer Cherry in 2017 in York, PA. So, I mean, they're all sad, but this one just really bums me out. (laughs) So one of the very last good moments, Cleo, please forgive me for this pronunciation, Sahir Nelson had of her son was her 53rd birthday. Jameer Cherry had driven to Columbus, Ohio from York, PA with his wife and four daughters to celebrate Cleo's birthday. After he arrived, he surprised her with gifts and cake, and the festivities lasted until two or three in the morning. She told the York Daily Record it was, quote, the best birthday I ever had. Less than two months later, on August 21st, 2017, Jameer was shot in the head while sitting on his own front porch. Jeez. Yeah. I think one of the worst parts of this story for me is that he didn't even die right away. He succumbed to his injury more than three weeks later at York Hospital. (sighs) Was he like comatose at that point? Like at least maybe not feeling anything like brain dead, but body alive or? I have a feeling that's how it was. It doesn't, they don't give a lot of details, but it doesn't seem like he was able to communicate or anything like that. So hopefully he wasn't feeling any pain. I don't, I don't know, but to be in the hospital for almost a month. And then, I mean, for your family too, to kind of have that hope that they're holding on to, and then he didn't make it. It's just so shitty all around. So Jameer's family members admitted that he wasn't perfect. He had been convicted at 18 of two felony drug dealing charges, and he did some jail time. Um, I know at least one of the charges was for cocaine, but it was less than $200 worth, and he had like $140 in cash on him. And like, I'm not trying to excuse his behavior. Like, I'm not sure what the other charge was, but the police were really cracking down on drugs in the neighborhood. And like the quote unquote war on drugs has always targeted people of color. So just take that as you will. I had very similar thoughts. Yes. And later he would sell pot and own a gun illegally since he, you can't own a gun if you have a felony record. Right. Um, but he grew up fast when his children were born, and he adored his four daughters. His wife, Destiny, remembers him as a devoted father, and he was apparently a real girl dad, which, I mean, that's how my dad was with his two daughters, just, you know, when you're wrapped around their finger. <laughs> 100%. Um, Jameer was born on August 19th, 1989 in Okinawa, Japan. His mother was in the U.S. Air Force and his father was a Marine, but it doesn't really sound like his father was in the picture very long as they moved to New Mexico when J- Jameer was about two. And the year after that, his mother, brother, and he moved to York, where I believe his mother's family was from. So he lived out the rest of his childhood there and graduated from William Penn High School in 2007. In 2008, his stepfather passed away. And around this time, Jameer pleaded guilty to the drug charges I had mentioned. And Cleo was beyond disappointed. She said this wasn't the boy she raised and he didn't come from quote unquote riffraff. 
Um, and Cleo eventually moved out of the area and pleaded with her son to leave York. He said he'd look for another place to live, but he was always making excuses as to why these places wouldn't work out. And eventually he just chose to stay in the area. Isn't it actually like not the best area? York. Yeah, not the best. Sarah's just like shaking her head. Now, um, one of my friends and well, kind of Amanda's friend, one of our friends from college grew up in the York area and she talks a lot about like she still lives in the area, but she's in a much better part of it now. And she would talk all the time about like how much she hated living in York City and going to school in York City. Like, it's not really a place that you want to be. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so his mom just really wanted him to get out of there, but for whatever reason, he just never left. So in the early morning hours of August 21st, 2017, which was two days after his 28th birthday. Stop making this worse. You're making this worse. What what part made it worse? Because it's it's super sad. He lived for three weeks after he was shot. He was shot just on his porch right after his birthday. Like, it just keeps getting worse. Yep. Change the story. I don't like it. I'm sorry. Um, but in the early morning hours of August 21st, Jameer was on the phone with Cleo, actually. Okay, so this might get worse. Uh, while standing on his front porch. Suddenly, she heard gunshots. How horrific. Yeah, I know. You are hearing your son, who just turned 28, be shot in the head while you're on the phone with him. Um, so This about- woman has so much trauma from her life. Sorry. Yeah, for real. I realized there was just a point where no one was talking and I could have spoken then. But like this poor woman has so much trauma in her life. Yeah. About 20 minutes earlier, Cleo had heard him tell someone to keep it moving like they were maybe loitering in front of his property. So if this was the same person that shot him, it didn't seem as if they knew each other. Um, But police said that there were three men in the area at the time. And he was actually the second man. Jameer was the second man to be shot in the head in a 24 hour period in New York, which like I wasn't sure how like unique of a situation that was because I know that York City is not the best place to be but I mean it's still pretty weird that two men were shot in the head right in 24 hours two or three two there were three men in that area and then but two were shot in the 24-hour time okay sorry yes yep well okay my thing is is that at least Jameer's was a drive-by shot. You have to be a really good shot to hit someone in the head if you're intending to hit them in the head. Like, it's not easy. I wouldn't think if it was like a drive-by, right? I wasn't entirely clear whether they were in a car or... Like, I'm pre- when he spoke to that guy um, and said to keep it moving, like, a little bit earlier before this happened, it seemed like the guy was on the sidewalk. Oh. But... Yeah, I'm I'm not 100% sure. I just that that situation in my mind confuses me and it's probably just because of the life I've lived. I've never lived in an area like York City. Um so it just seems weird that like, oh, I'm mad that you told me to keep it moving, so I'm going to walk 10 minutes one direction assumably to get a gun or to get someone that has a gun and then walk back another 10 minutes if it was 20 minutes between the time he said it and that Cleo heard the shot. So 
would they like I would think in that 10 minutes you would kind of cool down a little bit from like if you're really angry and you really want to lash out if you're going to walk somewhere in a 20 minute time period unless there's a different vendetta against Jameer I would feel like you would cool down emotionally but maybe not I had the idea kind of that maybe when the guy was loitering in front of his property that he was like kind of casing the joint a little bit to see if Jameer oh. was there. Um, like I'm thinking maybe it was drug related. He didn't really seem to be involved in drugs like anymore. That's not the, um, well, but who's to say it wasn't drug-related, not involving him? Like, maybe the person that he told to keep it moving had drugs on him or was selling or buying or was high on something. Sure. You know, like, it it could still be drug-related from that person's perspective, even if it wasn't from Jameer. Right. So, yeah, it's... The motive is still very unclear, but... Um, the other victim that had been shot in the head was Angel Santiago Torres, but he survived. But I don't know that he was able to give much information about who shot him. Uh, police also said that Jameer had been targeted, but wouldn't elaborate on why. They said more information would be released after arrests were made, but no arrests were ever made. I don't know if you happen to look this up, but you tend to think of things that I don't. Um, did you happen to see if there were any like suicides shortly after that from anybody? Because I'm wondering, you know, like if they're saying, oh, we know who's involved. We know who did this. If they maybe that person knew the police were getting close to them and and then they died by suicide. That's probably an outlandish theory, but I didn't look into it, but um so I found this article from Local 21 News published on April 2018, so um over 3 years ago. The York City Police Department is currently looking for 3 subjects who are wanted for questioning in recent shooting investigations. Detectives are looking to question Anton Hampton, who is 18. Shanque Ritter, uh, 20, and Flair Griggs, 20. So they are looking for these people in connection to, but it's also not limited to, the 8-21-17 shooting of Jameer Cherry in the 200 block of East Gas Avenue and the 8-18-17 shooting incident on the 100 block of Arch Street and the shooting incident on the 800 block of East Boundary. So they were looking for these very specific people, but I haven't found any follow-up on this. Like, there's nothing after this except the recent article that I found, which is, like, how I found out about this case. Um, so that was from earlier this year. But there's—it's basically just an article saying how the family wants justice. So I guess nothing ever came out of this for any of the shootings? I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Uh, I mean, you guys know as well as I do, in order to arrest anyone or even force them to come in for any sort of questioning, you pretty much have to hope that they either show up on their own when you ask or you need to have evidence to be able to get a warrant. 
Yeah. And if there's no concrete evidence, you know, if they don't have fingerprints, if they don't have DNA, if it's just circumstantial or just persons of interest that they want to talk to, but that they don't necessarily suspect are the ones that did anything. Right. There's there's not much more that you can do. And we're looking at a York City, which has lots of crime. But I do have to wonder if maybe just the amount of crime in the city, the fact that he is previously, you know, he's a felon, he's out of jail now, but, you know, he has a history and he's black. Yeah. And I have to wonder if those are all pieces that kind of come together in the, oh, well, no new tips came in, so we're not going to go search for them. Right. Honestly, probably just shootings are really common. So yeah. I think they just don't get investigated in, you know, York City the way that they would in suburbia. Yeah, you're right. Um, the family has understandably lost patience with the police who seem to have put the case on the back burner pretty quickly. Um, though the family, of course, wants whoever did this brought to justice, Cleo, his mother, knows that nothing can bring her son back. She also says she harbors some anger against him because he made some poor choices. And she also says that he had many opportunities to leave the city, but he chose not to. So I, you know, it's just like that frustration, like, oh, why didn't you get out when you had the chance? I love her honesty of saying that, though. Like, that takes a lot to say. And it's not victim blaming, you know, it's not, oh, it's his fault because he was there, but it's a mother's realization. Like I, I wish my son would have done more of what I asked for him. Yeah. And I mean, anger is part of the grieving process. So I, she's just being very transparent and honest about it. Um, yeah. And she has said like, she hopes that in her lifetime they'll find who did it and they'll be brought to justice. Like she wants that, but she's also, like I said, like she's like, nothing's going to bring him back. So yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, York city police Sergeant Daniel Lentz, um, public information officer for the York city police department said detectives are still investigating the homicide and kind of came out and said, you know, we do care about this case and these cases. Um, but I mean, I I don't know, speculation. It could just be like some PR thing because they really haven't gotten very far, but I'm not sure. I'm not, they might have more information than what they're sharing. And I mean, you're right. It could be a PR thing, but, and I know I've said this three times now, there are so many of these cases that happen in these cities. And for the family, I mean, that's a part of your life that is gone. That's, that's a person that your morning that's someone you think about every day and someone who's prevalent in your life and not that victims deserve to be forgotten because the police don't personally know them but it's when you're chasing you know 50 different crimes from one time period like one day one week whatever until you get more evidence it's going to be really difficult for that to just like stick in your head because you'd never do anything else sure. because if you, you know, you get kind of like Charlie in the newsroom from it's always sunny and you just go a little bit crazy. 
So, I mean, I definitely see both sides. Yeah. Because it's sure. it's all that the family, you know, the family is trying to solve this one case, but then you have the police that are trying to solve 10 or 20 or 50 or 100. Yeah. And, and it really sounds like they have their hands full. So, yeah. So if you do have any information about the murder of Jameer Cherry, you can provide a tip on the Crime Watch app or at YorkCityPolice.com. You can reach out to York County Crime Stoppers at 717-775-8477. Uh, call the York City Police Department at 717-846-1234. Or York Mayor Michael Helfrich said people can reach out to him with information if they're afraid of police or don't believe their name will be kept anonymous. 717-817-7975. A man in Brazil dies from severe burns, maybe from a UFO. In Washington, D.C., Jack the Slasher breaks into a house and barely steals anything, but dumps molasses all over a piano and cuts up curtains and sofas. I'm Andrew Gable, and on Forgotten Darkness, I'll look through old newspapers and other sources to find those lesser-known stories of yesteryear. I look mostly at true crime and unexplained phenomena. So if either of those topics sounds like your sort of thing, check us out. You can find the podcast at ForgottenDarkness.Podbean.com or on most podcast apps. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Chelsea. Today we are going to talk about Marquia Benson. She also is known as Kia. Um, this story does get a little bit graphic, and I will list a trigger warning when we get closer to that portion. Kia was a 36-year-old professional living alone in New Orleans Park Apartments in Sicane. And this is roughly about 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia, for reference. She had a bright future. All her friends said that she was going places. She, you know, she was really on top of her game, and unfortunately, um, her life was taken violently too soon. And it all happened on March 30th, 2016. On that Wednesday, Marquia failed to make it to work as a service admin at SIG Combiblock. Is that you think how you say it? Yeah, that's how okay. I would say it. Perfect. To know, that is a packing company. Now, everyone said that that was not like her. Her family and co-worker said that she was a very punctual person. No one could get a hold of her either. So after the shift that she had missed that day, a co-worker and her boyfriend at the time decided to go to her apartment and see if everything was okay. This was approximately at 4 p.m. that day. When they got there, her door was locked as well as a sliding glass door. They knocked and there was no answer. And I'm assuming they assumed she was there because her car was probably there, but I didn't see it mentioned. Right. Yeah, I didn't see it mentioned in any of the articles. So I just figured, like, they knew something was wrong because her car was there and she wasn't answering. So then they decided that they were going to go to the apartment manager and ask them to let them in, which he agreed. And he took one of his coworkers along with those two to open the door for them. And I don't know why he'd have to take another person. Maybe it's like protocol. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Just so that there's because no nobody who was on the lease was present. They wanted to have like a backup so that no one could 
say like, oh, they let us in and then did X, Y, and Z. That's true. Like just to have that second person there to to kind of vouch for what did or didn't happen when they opened the door. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But unfortunately, when they opened the door, they knew that something was wrong immediately. The apartment was trashed and they found Marquis in the bathroom and the police were immediately called. So this is where the trigger warning kind of comes up. When the police arrived, they found Marquis dead, naked in the bathtub with the water still running. And this water was hot enough to burn her, which kind of confuses me because like, oh at least in P, I mean, we're in PA, so it has to, right. I mean, this was a while ago, but when we moved in to a like lease, wait, uh, rent to own home. We were having issues with our water and the plumber said that the water temperature has to be a certain amount when you're renting. Like as a, I guess a homeowner, you can change it. Oh, but there's like a sliding scale, not a sliding scale, but like a scale between where it has right. to lie. So people can't get burnt. I'm guessing it's like a, um, liability thing for yeah landlords, like property management companies. Yes. So I thought that was crazy. Like how, how could the water be so hot that she was literally getting burned? And the thing I was thinking of, too, is it must be a really good water heater because, I mean, if I, I mean, I will take long baths and showers in the winter because I hate everything cold and I will like scorch my skin off all but with, you know, the hot water turned like no cold, all hot and it'll like it can't keep up. Oh yeah. Like eventually it starts to get cold. So I think just the fact that it was even still hot is astounding. But I wonder I wonder if the water heaters were within the units that you know maybe she's like me and she really wanted like hot hot water and she changed it. Mm. Um didn't think about that. I don't know if that's even a th- thing i would think it's probably not but i would think in an apartment complex it would be a no yeah um and usually for like a com- apartment complexes i would assume they would have a couple to be able to upkeep with that many tenants. right right but yeah it was like definitely scorching hot Jeez. and then the rest of the apartment was just an absolute mess Michael Chitwood of the Upper Darby Police Superintendent was quoted as saying to NBC10, the apartment itself was in total disarray, blood on the walls, feces on the floor, some writing on the walls. This sounds like so much more than a murder. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm getting Manson family <laughs> images in my mind, especially because I know you texted me yesterday and said something about like, oh, there's writing involved in this. And so my brain immediately went to, you know, the writing on the walls in the Sharon Tate murders. Yeah. And like just the the disarray and the blood all over and feces on the floors. I mean, that's that's absolute chaos. Yeah. Well, honestly, for the feces, I am. A lot of the speculation, because, like, the police didn't come out and, like, right forthright say, like, whose it was. But it was most likely Marquia's when she ended up dying. Um, because right. usually people, like, everything just all bodily right. stuff comes out. Right. 
Yeah. So, um, but we will talk more about the writing because I want your input okay. on it. So the cause of her death was later to be determined due to blunt and sharp force head injuries complicated by immersion and extensive scald burns. They believe the murder happened in the early hours. Her shift was supposed to start at 9 a.m. And the last person she was in contact was her mother that morning over text. Now there's been some speculation. Like, was it really her mom? How would they actually know? The last time she was physically seen was 8 p.m. the night before getting out of her car to go into her apartment. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to put that in there. They also claim that they could tell by the steam and temperature in the room, which just blows my mind. Like, how can you tell the time from that? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I can see this was what, 2016? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Yeah. So, I mean, science has advanced to a point where, you know, they can figure out how much heat is lost by something in a certain period of time. Thermodynamics, so I wonder, which I failed three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even take the. Yeah, you don't have to take thermodynamics as a teacher, so Lucky. especially not a an English teacher. So, <laughs> um, but I'm sure there are ways that they could look at. You know, you mentioned if the um, property management company or the like landlord or whatever had set a certain temperature, like maximum, maybe they could figure out for this much water in a bathtub. If the door is closed in this type of room, you know, there's probably some sort of mathematical something or other that makes sense to someone like you and not someone like me (laughs) um, that they could calculate, maybe not down to the minute, but maybe within, you know, if it's this temperature range, it's been three hours versus if it's a different temperature range, maybe it's been six hours since the water came out of the, the spigot. But I also think about like water cools to room temperature pretty quickly. Like that's also part of thermodynamics. Like exactly, it it tries to reach a neutrality. So I I don't know. I feel like there probably is a way to figure it out, but it's way too far beyond my brain. Well, honestly, I thought with all the for the water being running, I mean, in none of the articles I could read about how long they estimated the water to be running. But I thought there would be like damage to other people's apartments, even if she wasn't. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Even if she wasn't above them, like she was in an apartment complex. So someone had to be next to her. Someone had to be near her. (laughs) And she was there the whole day. Yeah. Mm hmm. Because if she didn't show for work, they didn't get to her until well after work was over. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? But that that's what they do believe. Um, Chitwood, who works for the police, also thinks that Marquia just had to know her killer since there was no force entry. They think that if she didn't know someone, she would have, like, absolutely fought back. Her friends think that, like, 100%. And living in an apartment complex, someone would have heard that, especially in the morning. Like, it's not like during work hours. It's like morning time. Did you say both doors were locked? Like yeah. her front door and a back? So do you know, and maybe you'll get to this, if they like pulled prints off of a doorknob or anything, because someone would have had to lock it. So I didn't see anything about prints. I do know that like their main suspect, they can't link him forensically to this crime but i don't know if they don't have anything okay or something it was not mentioned at all i'm just thinking about the fact that they'd have to lock up yeah as they left since it was all locked yeah but that was not mentioned unfortunately okay 
Chitwood also said that this was personal. We believe this was a crime of passion and hatred. It was a vicious fight. It looks like she fought for her life and lost. After completely processing the scene, they discovered that she was killed in the bedroom. Chitwood said it looked like she fought for her life with the struggle that occurred, um, especially with, like, the blood cast off. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, there was a lot of blood. There was blood found on the pillows, mattress, and walls. And after she I was subdued, she was ended up dragged to the bathroom. I'm guessing they found, like, blood stains leading. Yeah. Even just carpet marks, like, yeah. kind of a bad comparison to compare a dead person to a vacuum. But when you vacuum carpet, you can see which way the vacuum went. I would think it would be similar, even without blood. But oh, based yeah. on what you're describing, there's most likely a bunch of blood there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say that the water had to have been running for a while because the floor was saturated, but they only mentioned it being saturated in her apartment. The rest of the apartment was trash. I wonder if she was on a first floor. I don't know. I couldn't find that. Because that would make sense if there wasn't any water flowing downward, like to, to apartments underneath. I it was it could it can go through walls. I mean, if it is running for hours, it will seep through seep through walls. It's true. I don't know. I think even if they were up against each other, like some type of damage would have happened, I'd think. That's true. But I don't know. Um, so the rest of the apartment had been trashed. They found a ripped up passport, a tipped over trash can, letters and other papers ripped and strewn all over. And then there was this writing in the wall and it was done in red lipstick and it was all over. Not just in one room, all over. The police department has yet to reveal what the writing actually said. And they say that they don't want to release it because there was a derogatory word used to describe a female written over three times. And it's like, what could that word be? What do you think? I mean, I'm I'm wondering if it was in another language, um, because that might like I think of I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Eye, where like this lady gets an eye transplant and starts oh, like seeing yeah, weird I've things. Um but there's a part in there where they have like derogatory Spanish terms written all over. And I think it's, I think it's just bruja. Like I think they just have witch written repeatedly, but if it is something where maybe it was like Spanish and not English, it might be too much information. Like they don't want it to get out because of, you know, that idea of, well, it's something that only the killer would know. So if we let that detail leak, then they can't, you know, no one can come and say, oh, I know who did this because they told me that, you know, this, that or the other was written there. Um, So I wonder if maybe it was just something maybe not being hidden because it was derogatory, but because it was unique. That's true. And uniquely derogatory is still, you know, I'm not saying they're lying to us and that it's a nice term, but... You know, I don't know of too many murders where someone kills someone and then writes on the walls like, you were a wonderful person. <laughs> that's you true. Know, that's, that's not very common. But I mean, it could just be, I can't see them in, especially in the 21st century with as accepting of language as everyone seems to be, if it was just like whore or slut. Or bitch. Yeah, like, that's what I, I was can't thinking. see them keeping those sorts of words hidden. I feel like it has to be something unique or cultural or a foreign language, like something that would give away too much to or, reveal. Or would they keep it because it's the only thing that they could use to determine someone 
from being part Possibly. of the murder or not? Possibly. That's what I thought. Yeah. But they don't they don't talk about it much. They won't. Um, unfortunately. Dang. And then with uh even though she was naked in the bathtub, they say that there was no signs of sexual assault. But I did think it was interesting that she was like fully undressed. And I, I think we've talked about this before, too. I'm curious what constitutes a, a visual of like signs of sexual assault um, versus like if there was a consensual sexual act. Um, because, again, if it's someone that she knows she's letting into the apartment Maybe there was some sort of consensual act that was not assault. So I'm I'm always curious about, like, if it was consensual, would it still appear to be an assault? Because it would still be, like, some sort of sexual act. Um, I mean, I know you're not an expert, so I don't know if you know that answer. But <laughs> I don't. Um, I'm sorry. Those are just the things that I I think of. Um, I mean, they're good questions, honestly. I. I'll have to look that up. So if I were to say to you, who is usually the first suspect in a killing? What would you the say? The husband did it. Absolutely. It's always the husband. Yes. And so that's kind of what the police focused on first. She was dating someone at the time. Could not find his name at all. I couldn't find a lot of names associated with this case, which was strange because like, I want to think they were kids because she's 36. And if they were kids, that's just weird. Right. And I doubt that was the case. But anyway, I thought it was weird. I couldn't find anyone's name. So he was eliminated pretty fast. He had a solid alibi and he passed a polygraph, though we all know how polygraphs are not 100% indicative of being accurate. Right. People can be really good at passing them. Yeah. And they're not even held up. You can't, they're admissible in court, right? Uh, I think you can, the results are not admissible, but you can, in questioning, discuss a polygraph process like with the defendant okay um but you can't actually present the results as evidence okay so something like that okay so obviously the police then moved on uh her friends had talked about this quote-unquote creepy neighbor one of her friends said that Marquia told multiple people how uncomfortable he made her, that she would intentionally find reasons not to be home and was even considering moving because of this. And to know she had just recently moved into this apartment complex. So I think that speaks volumes of how uncomfortable she was with this guy. Oh, yeah. And good on her. I mean, this is a, a great lesson in what to do if you're uncomfortable. Like, tell people because... I mean, obviously, this is still a, a cold case, so it didn't necessarily solve um, the the instance that we're talking about. But even just, you know, like, you know, there's this guy in my building and I'm really uncomfortable around him. You know, his friends remember her friends remembered that. And there was this immediate, OK, the police know who to look into next. So just do that if you feel uncomfortable in situations or near certain people tell other people it can't because, hurt <laughs> yeah you you want that to be known for sure oh, yeah. so good on her for doing that is is kind of my thought there yeah and apparently the day after marquia died this neighbor moved so that looks sketchy oh, as shit that's sketchy yep mm -hmm. i don't like that oh yeah neither did the police <laughs> so they questioned him pretty hard but he also had a very solid alibi from his job and his wife 
now we all know that, you know, wives can lie for their husbands, but also right. the kids vouched for him as well, like his whole entire family. So, and the alibi from his job, he was working like the fact that that, it, you know, it, it seems those, those tend to carry weight for me. If it's something oh, yeah. like they were clocked in at this time or they were, you know, whatever. More so than family. Yeah, the, he basically got ready in the morning and went to work. Wasn't late. That's pretty much how it like rolled out. So it seemed like a typical morning, and they didn't question him further. He also passed a polygraph too. I don't know if They're maybe good at passing polygraphs here. Apparently, I don't <laughs> know if like he knew he was creeping her out, or maybe he was just staring, or maybe he did have intentions, and then something happened. And he thought, "Oh no! Like, what if it's pinned on me?" And That's true. I mean, who knows? People do crazy things when people die, honestly. So the police had no other option but to kind of move on. Their next target was Marquia's ex that she dated from 2009 to 2013. At the time, they had recently reconnected. Her family described him as physically and emotionally being abusive, which is not okay. When the ex was talked to by the police, he couldn't provide an alibi from 7.30 p.m. the 29th until 9 a.m. on the 30th, which is sketchy. Right. He admitted that he had a fight with Marquia the previous Saturday, the 26th, on the phone. He claimed that she was upset that they were not hanging out and he was being distant to her. So, during that call, they scheduled to meet up on Tuesday, the 29th, but he then couldn't provide details about where about his whereabouts on the 29th. It's just getting sketchier and sketchier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It gets even sketchier because though he, they were supposed to meet on the 29th, he texted her at 630 on the 29th saying he was tied up and they couldn't meet, which this text was pulled from police, but he still couldn't remember what he did on the 29th, though he was too busy and had to cancel with somebody. Like, how can't you remember a busy day? Yeah, that doesn't seem to lie, especially because it's not like he was questioned five years later. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's it, like not even a week. Right. That seems to me like I want to know that you're home and alone because I know that you're not going to make plans in the next two hours. Like you're not going to magically come up with something to do in two hours. But to also play devil's advocate, if somebody asked me, like if if something happened, if something had happened to my husband over the weekend. And police came to me and they were like, what alibi do you have? I'd be like, I don't know. Ask the dog. Like I was at home all weekend. I didn't do anything, but that's not an alibi. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I, I can see both sides of it. The point that you're making where you're saying, you know, how do you not remember a couple days later that you were doing something? So you had to break these plans off. I'm yeah. fully with like, that's. That's definitely sketchy. Not having an alibi. Meh, he might have just been at home watching TV and no one could. Oh, wait until you hear. Wait until you hear as I go. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop taking his side now. (laughs) Well, on the 30th, he says at 1.30 p.m. he went to a local restaurant to pick up food. And he didn't stay there to eat. He decided he was going to drive around for a while while eating. How long is a while? Um, couple hours, just cruising. Oh, okay. Yeah. So after, after this, that evening, he decides to go to another restaurant. He sits at the bar and has a couple glasses of wine. What a distinguished gentleman. It's, it's 
grace in, in man form. <laughs> I know. Form. <laughs> I know. <Like> wine. <laughs> I'm like not a wine drinker and I guess I'm not a drinker at all. So when I associate men drinking, I just assume beer. I don't know why. I know that's so awful, but. My brain goes to whiskey, but I think that's just because that's what my husband drinks. So uh, like that's. When they said wine, I just was like laughing and I had to yeah. put that little part in. Yeah. No, um, I love it. I mean, my father-in-law drinks wine and that like that's his standard, you know, we always have wine with dinner when we're there, but But that's like wine with dinner. He went to the bar just to get wine. Just to sit and drink some wine. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, Yeah. I thought people like drank wine at home on the on, by themselves after a long day. Didn't Especially if you're having it. a couple glasses, like if if you're killing a bottle of wine, you need to be on your couch. Yeah. Not so, a bar stool. I thought that was weird. Anyway, but so the police obviously looked into it and they were able to corroborate his story with video surveillance. Another weird thing is he had zero cell activity for hours after texting her until the late morning of the 30th. Then on the 30th, he left her four voicemails. The times go as follow. He texted her at 1.18 p.m., 5.29 p.m., 6.03 p.m., and 10.13 p.m., each one getting anger that she wasn't answering. A lot of speculation says that he, these are like stage calls and that he went to those restaurants just right. to have some alibi, like to have like some some kind of alibi. But I mean, it doesn't make up for an entire day. And if he was actually being dissent to her and kept canceling, why the shit is he trying to all of a sudden blow her up? Right. It 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 doesn't make sense. I'd also be curious to see what their um cell phone interaction was like before that like yeah. i mean you know if if you look at my cell phone records i have incoming calls from my husband almost every day um like he calls me when he's coming back from work or you know just like that's how he communicates as he calls me you see very few outgoing calls from my phone. So, you know, if I went missing, it would make sense for my husband to call me four times, leave a bunch of voicemails. Like, that's normal for my phone history. But, like, if one of my friends isn't responding, you'll see me texting, 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 texting. But I'd probably only call them once because I just don't, make phone calls so i'm curious if he normally would call her a lot like that or if normally they were in communication all the time that he would be expecting that fast of a response i don't know i thought it was weird especially since some of that time when he called she would have been working why are you calling someone when they're working unless it was an emergency and yelling at them that they're not answering exactly Exactly. I don't know. I think yeah. it's weird. It's definitely weird. But he then proceeded to fail a polygraph test. So this guy is not like doing so good. But even though he looks sketchy as shit, they were not able to forensically link him to the murder. And they are still the police's. I mean, he is still the police's main suspect, even to this day. Do so. we know? Is there any actual forensic? evidence like do they have i mean i would think the water would clean a lot of stuff up it would also bloat the skin so it yeah. would it would um affect pulling anything from there 
and other than maybe the lipstick tube if there were like fingerprints on that from writing on the wall or the doorknob like there's really nowhere else to even get any dna or or really hard forensic evidence nowhere was it listed if they had it or not there's no like confirmation or anything which really is like frustrating because like you get to know that they had something to tie anyone to the murder other than like i guess a confession so at the time of her murder there was not a local media attention at all and it is totally heartbreaking the police took to facebook only a day after the murder because they didn't have much to go on and no one was really talking her case was similar to carolyn byington who was murdered in 2019 but carolyn had so much more coverage and they were able to solve her case in less than two weeks and it was very similar circumstances i have not read ahead i am assuming that carolyn was either white or in the public eye she was white and um i did not state it marquia is black and oh yeah i had seen the pictures of marquia so i did know that sorry listeners you did not know that for sure (laughs) i have seen the (laughs) my bad i should have clarified well not only that like at first i was like maybe it's just a bad area because you know outside of philly is still a little bit rough depending what parts but carolyn she was in camden i believe new jersey oh wow i mean that is another bad city well, yeah, and I mean, we just talked, well, I wasn't on the episode, but you guys just talked about the Camden stuff with the um, yes, Tony, Tony, Tony Sharpless case. And, you know, like Camden is not a place that oh, you no. want to be, but yeah, that's interesting that they were able to solve that one, but so fast. Not this one. Yeah. Yeah. And really, the like similarities were. That they were both young professionals. And I I think 36 is young. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. I think that's still young. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay, we agree. But anyway, next. Um, They were living alone. And they were murdered in an apartment. They both lived in big apartment complexes during the day. Um, And it was her... um, Carolyn's was solved. Like, immediately. She had so much attention to start with. And I think there was only three to four articles uh, for Marquia, and that's sad. Wow. So, that sucks. But a year after Marquia's murder, there was a $5,000 reward being offered for information. I don't know. I could not find if that reward still stands to this day. I would assume okay. that it would. I couldn't find it anywhere. But she was buried at a cemetery in Philly. There was a beautiful service held for Marquia on April 8th, 2016, there was a visitation in the, and then the service, and both were at Deliverance Evangelistic Church in Philly. If you are really a true crime buff, then I know you have heard of Unsolved Mysteries since it has been gracing us since the late 80s. Netflix has revamped the Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know. Have you seen the newer ones? Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. I love them. Uh, currently, there are two seasons, but they recently renewed a deal for season three, which is amazing. There hasn't been a, like, confirmed victim list, but a handful speculate that Marquia's case will be featured. Season 3 will be airing in the summer of 2022. The reason people think that her case will be covered is because on September 15th, 2021, her episode aired on their podcast. Since the first season launched on Netflix, there have been over 5,000 tips submitted to the Unsolved Mysteries team, which is amazing. That's awesome. Definitely. And with these tips and renewed interest... 
one of the cases was even reopened by the FBI. Um, and in case you're interested, uh, in case you're interested, it's Alonzo Brooks' death. Which one is that? I I didn't watch season two, so I'm not sure if it was on season okay. two. I was going to say, I've only seen a couple of season two, so it must be one that I don't remember. I'll have to look that one up then. But that is anyway. still an awesome, awesome thing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And co-creator Terry Dunn Muir said, we look for cases that we feel or that the authorities feel would really benefit from exposure to generate some tips to cases that have gone cold, that they just think there's something out there. And remember with Marquia, there was not a lot of information, um, not a lot of coverage. So there's going to be so many people watching this and so many people that have already listened. Um, and so I really hope that when her case is one of the ones that they cover. Yeah. That'd be awesome. If they could get tips, that could be really helpful. So now we will move into a couple very short theories I've stumbled upon on like Reddit and WebSleuths. So take that These with a grain of salt. These are always the fun ones. Yeah. <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. So someone, there's a couple people actually that think it's her sister, which is, that'd be really crappy. But on the episode of Unsolved Mysteries on the podcast, her sister was interviewed for it. Um, and it's really surprising how she kind of talks about her sister. There's almost like she outshined her throughout her life and she was kind of jealous. Um, uh. Yeah. So there's that. But I mean, I don't think that's very plausible. I would not think. The next one is her boyfriend, her current boyfriend, when she had uh, passed away. Right. Like, even though he was ruled out, people think jealousy could have been a factor, which it totally could have been. He could have easily found out Marquia was still talking to her ex and became angry because, like, that's, like... Oh, my gosh. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, I don't know. For me, if I am in a relationship and I meet somebody and they are already friends with their ex and they have a good relationship, that's fine. But after like a while and then they start talking again, I think that's weird. Yeah, especially when they go from like absolutely hating their ex and talking down about them nonstop to like flip of a switch. Oh, we're friends now. Like, I mean, I've I've recently made peace with an ex of mine, but it wasn't like anything you know i never like hated him yeah i just for the fact that he was abusive like for her to go back anyway it's kind of confusing and it is kind of suspicious that all of a sudden out of the blue they reconnected like obviously i couldn't figure out like why or like who reached out to who whatever right but you know that would probably make someone feel pretty crappy and angry I can believe that, yeah. And people have killed for less than $2, so I mean... Yeah? It could be... I mean, it could be a poss- a very, very small possibility. So, I mean, jealousy and emotions can just take over, you know, the people that you think you know, you never truly know, because you only see part of them. Yeah. So, emotions can can make people do things you'd never expect from them. Exactly. And isn't that why there's, like, a murder charge that's, like, in the heat of the moment? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Crime of passion. Yes. So there's that one. And then I call it the rando female, even though it's not so random. (laughs) Um, People think that it was possibly 
the ex's girlfriend if he had one. If that makes sense. Because yeah. this writing was in red lipstick. Like, would a guy really think of that? I don't know. My only thought is if if Kia wore lipstick often and it was maybe like the top of her makeup bag or sitting on a bathroom counter yeah and the thought was just like i'm gonna grab this and i mean i have all sorts of lipstick that is just sitting like in my bathroom at the top of a cubby i just keep all my lipstick there so depending on how she was storing things i could totally see anyone just grabbing it i can't imagine just writing things on the wall in lipstick in general yeah but, you know whatever some people think that points to a woman who knows i do know that there was one murderer that was a man that was like a serial murderer who wrote in lipsticks so, i mean yeah it is what it is but then also with like the derogatory words used towards marquia it's more likely a woman would be saying that yeah i could definitely see that yeah and then like the ripping of the passport to like destroy that just her like seems so weird to me yeah that was like the weirdest thing i think so i mean maybe just kind of going off of this theory maybe kia had traveled somewhere out of the country with this ex either previous years like while they were still dating or recently right because a passport could be anywhere up to 10 years oh yeah of mm -hmm. of being valid so you know she could have been out of the country with this guy and maybe the new girlfriend or whatever got jealous about that maybe that's why it was ripped up because it was ripping the the pages from the stamps of wherever they traveled i mean that's obviously just a long shot added to a reddit theory but i mean it oh, would yeah. tie the the passport into it yeah and i mean as we just talked about jealousy is mm -hmm. a big thing it's hard to say what other people do based on how we would react because obviously everyone reacts differently, but I mean, that would, that would make me mad. Well, the thing in my head, like, like I had said before, like, why is he trying to blow her up on this day? Unless maybe his girlfriend maybe tried to confront her, something went wrong and he has to come up with a reason to call her out of nowhere. Or maybe he was trying to warn her, but she had gotten there first or yeah. Something. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that is like a humongous stretch. I don't even know if he was dating someone at the time. So yeah. <laughs> who knows? we don't even know if this person exists. It's it's yeah. just a theory. <laughs> just a theory from the fabulous throws uh, of Webzeus. So those are really like the only things. And cops haven't had any more tips come through at all, which is upsetting. But if you have any information regarding the brutal murder of Marquia Benson, please call Upper Darby Police Department at 610-734-7693. Or you can also leave a tip at pacrimestips at udpd.org. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Grace. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music by Darren Makins, production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.